Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Giants Flash. I'm Henry Shulman, Giants beat reporter for the San Francisco Chronicle. My guest today is a true renaissance man of the arts, Ken Levine. Ken is an author and playwright, but he's best known as a sitcom writer, director, and producer. He and partner David Isaacs were the head writers of MASH for a time, while Ken has also been involved in shows such as Cheers, Frasier, The Simpsons, Everybody Loves Raymond, and many others, not to mention two movies that he and David co-wrote. But he's here on the Giant Splash because of a second career as a baseball broadcaster, first working with John Miller in Baltimore before moving on to Seattle, San Diego, and Los Angeles, among other places, where he now lives in L.A. Ken, welcome to the Giant Splash. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. Yeah, I, uh, I called you a renaissance man of the arts. I, I always kind of think, you're, you're, you're all over the board, I kind of think of you as a very poor man, Steve Martin, minus the banjo. Is that fair? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, I've always wanted to be a Benny Hanna chef, uh, <laughs> but I, I've never been able to accomplish that. So I, I do all of that to compensate. Okay. Well, it would scare me if you had a, a big knife like that. And actually, what I was thinking of doing was just writing a short introduction mentioning nothing but the fact that you co-wrote Mannequin 2 on the move. And then just, Thank keep, you. just keep reintroducing you. And here's Ken, <laughs> here's Ken Levine, uh, the co-writer of Mannequin 2 on the move, and just forget about everything yeah. else. Throw, throw in After Mash, too. After, after Mash, that's right. I yeah. remember that show. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of the Ouch. three. So we started here with a little laughter. You, you know, you and I have known each other a long time when, you know, we get together for our Jewish old man lunches at uh, Nate and Al's when I'm down in L.A. We laugh a lot. Um, yeah, that's one of the things we like about each other. <clears throat> this is a tough time for laughter. Um, and I think there's, there's always been a serious question about the appropriateness of comedy, the appropriateness of laughter when you're going through a crisis like this. And... Uh, we're even going to start the the actual podcast with a very serious issue about somebody who uh, is friends to both of us. Um, and we're, I want to talk about that at the second half of this podcast, uh, because I think you'd have a great perspective on it, having been a comedy writer now for uh, half a century almost. Um, uh, but I, I want to start with uh, John Miller. Um, you worked with John. You're friends with John. Did you see the news that uh, yesterday John went on a local radio station here in San Francisco um, and said that he and his wife Janine are under quarantine because his son and the son's fiance uh, both came down with coronavirus just days after they were with John and Janine? Uh, have you heard that news? Yeah, I have heard that news. And, you know, it, it really is starting to get real for everybody. You know, I mean, when it started, well, there were cases in China and you heard about these people in Italy, but all of a sudden, you know, Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson and John Miller might be in danger. And all of a sudden it's like getting closer and closer and getting more and more real. And what I hope that does, and I know John mentioned that on the, the radio broadcast yesterday, 
is for people to take this seriously and to self-isolate themselves and to social distance and wash your hands and take whatever precautions are really prescribed because this really is is real and i think we're now at a point where each and every one of us really has to take care of themselves not just for ourselves but for the people that uh, that we love, that we know. Yeah, and you know, you know Tom Hanks. Obviously, you uh, co-wrote the movie Volunteers. That was one of his vehicles, as I recall. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I, I'm in self isolation because of that, and that was 1985. I mean, I'm taking no chances. <laughs> I was I was thinking of uh, that. You know, when you mentioned Tom Hanks's name, I think that when he and Rita came out with it, I, I think that I mean they didn't have to tell everybody, and I think they I think there is an obligation among celebrities. Uh, or they feel an obligation to come. I think that's why they came out with it, for the very reason you're talking about. I do, too. And both Tom and Rita are such wonderful people that I'm sure part of the reason for them coming out is that it would help other people, that other people would, A, start taking it more seriously, and B, see that, you know, it can be managed. You know, uh, I mean, we're hearing certainly all the doom and gloom and, you know, all of the deaths, but um, that's still a small percentage. Take care of yourself. And if you do come down with it, uh, yeah, you're in for a a rough go, but most people will recover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just talking about John, uh, you know, John is uh, 68 years old. I believe his wife is about seven years older. So that that makes it scary a little bit now. You know, you went from a very successful career in Hollywood into baseball broadcasting. And I believe I'm correct that your first major league job was in Baltimore with John Miller. How did that Uh come about? How did the whole switch come about? Well, um, I, in the mid-80s, I was going through a midlife crisis. I always wanted to be a baseball announcer. And um, I never pursued it. And now I'm, I'm 35 years old. And I uh, had done a show for Mary Tyler Moore, and I had done a lot of other things, and I was starting to go, is that all there is? And ironically, a friend of mine from college who did go the broadcasting route found himself as a broadcaster for the Giants. How many of you remember David Glass? Oh, yeah. A lot Uh, of our readers remember him. Listeners remember him. Yeah. Sure. Well, um, so one day... I go to Dodger Stadium and I'm going to get together and have drinks with him. And ironically, Dwayne Kuyper after the game, Kuyper was still playing back then. And and I see David Glass up there in the booth and I'm thinking to myself, my God, he did it. He's a big league announcer. And that was really what prompted me to say, if I don't do it now, I never will. And for two years, I went to the upper deck of Dodger Stadium and Anaheim Stadium with a tape recorder and just broadcast game after game after game and eventually sent tapes to the minor leagues and spent a year in Syracuse, which was the Blue Jays AAA affiliate, then two years in Tidewater, which was the Mets AAA affiliate. And um, I got a tape to John Miller and I basically just asking him to critique it. And he called me up about a month later saying, Hey, this is really good. And we have an opening. Joe angel was going to leave the Orioles to go to the Yankees. Would I be interested in applying? It's like, uh, yeah. 
and I sent my tape and was a finalist and they flew me to Baltimore and um, spent time with John and back they put us in a studio together and just had us talk for a while just to get a sense of the chemistry and I'm thinking okay well there go my chances because this guy's got this beautiful baritone and sounds like a million dollars and I must sound like Minnie Mouse compared to him but uh, apparently the contrast worked and um, and we got along and I, I got the job and uh, boy you talk about having a mentor to to learn and to study from John Miller every day for an entire season uh, was an unbelievable gift. Now, when you, uh, it's this kind of a funny coincidence, or maybe it's not, when you were up there in the upper deck at Dodger Stadium and Angel Stadium doing those broadcasts, were you aware that that's what John Miller did when he was a teenage boy at the Oakland Coliseum? No, I didn't. I mean, I learned later. But uh, no, because I figured, you know, you can't just do it by turning the sound down on the TV. You know, you, you don't have the crowd. You don't have the reaction. You need to be able to see things yourself. And like I said, I went to the upper deck because I figure if somebody is paying big money to go see a ball game and it's maybe only his first or second game of the year they don't want some idiot sitting next to him going and there's a line drive down the left field line no wait that's the right field line so i figure if you go to the upper deck which was general admission and uh and the seats weren't reserved that i could call the game and if somebody was annoyed they could just move and it was great because it was right over home plate the downside is you're above the timberline and the players are just ants. But, you know, I'm saying he's got a good late movement on that palm ball. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't see. And what was interesting is, uh, again, I thought, okay, people were just going to avoid me and move away. But I got a series of regulars who would come every night and they would come and they would sit with me and I would buy them all a beer. And they brought binoculars, and they were my spotters. They would hand me notes as to who's warming up in the bullpen and stuff like that. So, you know, it's Los Angeles. So, you know, we're so status conscious. These people had their own baseball announcer. Yeah, I I wanted to ask you a little bit more about John Miller. But, you know, you and I have a mutual friend, Josh Sushan. In fact, you and Josh hosted the Dodger talk show, which was like the post-game call-in show for the Dodgers for a while. That's right. And, uh, you know, how often do you tell him that it only took you two years in the minors to get a major league (laughs) job? Because he's been in the minors for about 74 years now. (laughs) You know, it's very difficult, and it seems like it is more difficult these days uh, because they're just not bringing up a lot of minor league announcers. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to him because he deserves a job. There, there are, I can, I can pinpoint maybe six or seven, because I listen to all these minor league broadcasts on the internet, and there are about six or seven guys who are deserving of a major league job, and they, they just can't get them. Yeah. It's really tough. Uh, Josh is the radio voice of the uh, 
Albuquerque Isotopes, which I believe are the AAA team of the Rockies, or, or have been. Yes, I actually yeah, ran. I actually now. ran into him uh, at a game in Sacramento. In fact, I recorded a pregame show with him. He had me on. Um, do you have any good John Miller stories or impressions? That uh, I don't mean like uh, rich little impressions, but you know some John Miller stories. Uh, well, uh, John does great impressions, and uh, one day before we started, uh, he was at my office at Paramount, I took him to lunch and showed him around the cheer set and he recorded our voicemail and he, he did it as, as Scully, you know, um, look out for the farmer in the deli, you know, and you know, he, he did it. So one day, uh, I'm listening to my voice messages and I hear this familiar voice and I hear a little laughter, and then I hear the actual Vince Scully go, you'll hear from my lawyer. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the comic, but he, he does a great uh, routine about that. He does voices as well, and maybe you can uh, get his name because it's not on the tip of my tongue. And um, he, he did uh, uh, Alan Arkin um, and has a great story about that. I'll try and look that up on the uh, internet before we're we're through here, uh, or I'll just cut this out entirely. Um, so uh, you you also oh, Kevin Pollock. Uh, in fact, it's called uh, the I think his record is actually called "Tormenting Alan Arkin," and there's a great story in there about uh, what Ke what Kevin did uh, with an answering machine um, involving Alan Arkin. But uh, neither here nor there. Now you know you also. Uh, worked in Seattle. I mean, you worked, uh, am I correct that you worked with uh, Dave Niehaus, who was, I mean, really? I have worked yeah. with four Hall of Fame announcers. Wow. I'll never get in. But, uh, yeah, Dave Niehaus was my partner in Seattle, and we had a, a great time. Uh, Dave was a lot of fun. I mean, Dave covered terrible teams for all those years. And he'd say to me, Kenny, we have to go. 2064 and oh for me to break even here you know uh, but um we started a bit uh we we mentioned that dizzy dean who was a great pitcher and then used to call baseball games for cbs uh on saturday afternoons that he would sometimes sing the wabash cannonball and we found the sheet music to the Wabash Cannonball, and, and David and I sang it one night on the air. Well, what the hell? We're down 11-2 to two in the third inning. And, uh, and I said, you know, we should sing this every time the Mariners are down by 10 runs. It got to the point we didn't need the lyric sheet anymore. That's that's amazing. Now, you know, I uh, people who are listening to this mostly are Giants fans here in the Bay Area. I don't think they understand that Dave Niehaus in Seattle uh, is to Seattle what, you know, Kruk and Kipe are here. And uh, when Dave passed away, uh, you had kind of a unique honor. You were not working for the Mariners anymore, but they decided to, uh, instead of hiring someone right away, they decided to bring back some of the old play-by-play -play announcers uh, to broadcast in his place you were one of them weren't you yep yep i was and did that for two years and it was a, a great honor and uh, it was a great honor i learned by the way you cannot do sarcasm on the air because we were in detroit and 
uh, and I mentioned how the Mariners were wearing a patch that year, my oh my, in honor of Dave. And I said, and you know, the other thing that's really heartening is that the Detroit Tigers are um, also paying tribute to Dave this year. Uh, if uh, And it's amazing because he never even broadcast in Detroit, but his legend is so great that they're paying tribute to him. If you watch a game and you see a home game in Detroit, you'll notice the Tigers on their uniforms have this great big ornate D on the front of their uniforms, and, and that's for Dave. <laughs> oh, my God. The, the Internet, the blogs, yeah, they, they just crushed me. It's like, oh, that it, idiot, that stands for Detroit. That guy's an idiot. That's like, yeah, it's like I, Twitter before its time. Um, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. one, one question to, to end this first segment here with, you mentioned that you'll never get into the Hall of Fame. You have an Emmy Award uh, as a producer for, I believe it was the first season of Cheers. Is that right? Yes, that's uh, prime true. Time, prime time Emmy Award. Would you trade that for the, uh, the award that broadcasters get to get into the Hall of Fame? Sure. You would? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, my God. I mean, you know, when... There, there's some idiots who have won Emmys. There, there's a lot of clowns who have won Emmys. But if you're in that Hall of Fame and you're there with Vince Scully and John Miller and Bob Costas and Ernie Harwell and Mel Allen and Red Barber and uh, all those guys, uh, you, yeah, you, you bet. Hank yeah. Greenwald deserves to be in it, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Alex Pavlovich has an Emmy, I think. Uh, but anyway... Um, I, I have a lot more to ask you. Uh, we're going to talk about the Giants and Dodgers rivalry. We're going to talk about Yasiel Puig. And then, of course, a, as I said, we'll talk a little bit about comedy and trying times. And I'll be back with Ken Levine right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Henry Shulman back with Emmy Award winning uh, producer, comedy writer, director, playwright, uh, author, uh, blogger, and, um, you know, much, much more, Ken Levine. Podcaster. Do, podcaster. I do want to mention that uh, Ken has a wonderful podcast that is, uh, it's called uh, Hollywood and Levine. I'm sorry, no, that is the, the, the podcast is called Hollywood and Levine. Uh, and, and the blog, which I really enjoy, it's a lot of inside uh, Hollywood stuff where people get to ask questions as well in the comments. That's called By Ken Levine. I have that right? Yep. Okay. Uh, you, uh, how many years did you do Dodger Talk, which is you know sort of the equivalent of Sports Phone 680 here in San Francisco? How long did you do that? Uh, uh, eight years total. Okay. Uh, yeah. And and you didn't pull your eyes out talking to fans for eight <laughs> years. Uh, there were times. Okay. Although I, I just viewed it differently because if if I had a fan who was infuriating, I, I just I just viewed it as that person being a straight man, you know, because I, I, I approach Dodger talk. I approach these sports talk shows, I think, very differently than uh, than everybody else in that I see it as an entertainment program 
that happens to be about the Dodgers and happens to be about baseball. Um, most of these programs I listen to, it's like Dodger talk for scouts, you know, right. and unless you're an absolute hardcore fan, uh, you're going to be bored out of your mind. And, uh, you know, I would work very hard on the reporting aspect of the job and being accurate and talking a lot about the game, etc. But I also had fun with it. And, um, and so th- it, it, it sort of helped with the callers that, um, that I could sort of use them as straight men. And uh, what was your last year doing that program? Uh, 2010, because okay. then I went back to the Mariners for two years. Right, so yeah. that was right about the time the Giants started their, that was the year that the Giants started their run of three in five, three championships in five years. Now, we have a situation now where the Dodgers are on a major, major upswing. They've won uh, seven consecutive division titles. There's no reason to believe they won't win their eighth this year for however long they play the regular season. And Dodgers be a three-game season, a three-game yeah. season, and a forty-seven-game playoff. Yes, um, <laughs> and 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 Dodger fans just love to troll Giants fans about how how much better the Dodgers have been lately, and that the Giants have fans have the same answer all the time. Nineteen eighty-eight, and I'm asking you not so much as a as a former Dodgers former broadcaster, former Dodgers uh, radio talk show host, but as an Angelino, you still live in Los Angeles. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. How how annoying is it for Dodger fans that the Giants have these three World Series championships and the Dodgers uh, in, in the last decade and the Dodgers had none? It, it sort of takes a little bit away from the trolling, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it it sure does. Uh, because for Dodger fans, like you mentioned, they've won the division seven times. Doesn't mean anything. I mean, the fact that they have not won a World Series. For years, they couldn't even get into the World Series. And, and you know, the Tampa Bay Rays are in the World Series. And the Diamondbacks, you know, these expansion teams win the World Series. Royals. The Marlins win the World yeah. Series. And, and the Giants win three times. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1988 goes farther and farther back into the mist. And I think Dodger fans, uh, honestly, are less concerned with the rivalry per se as just being on upper management and the team to win a World Series already. And I'm sure everybody believes they would have won the World Series now knowing what we know about the Astros in 2017, right? Uh, except me. Oh, you don't think so? It, yeah. No, I don't think so. Because in Game 2 when Rich Hill was pitching a brilliant game and uh, the Wiley Coyotes took him out uh, (laughs) and then the Astros caught up. They had to go into extra innings. The Dodgers went into the bullpen, which wasn't very solid, and they lost that game. If Rich Hill pitches into the seventh, eighth inning of that ball game, then the Dodgers have won the first two, and I think it's a very different series. So, so no. But yeah, I hate the Houston Astros with every fiber of my being. <laughs> I think a lot, I hate a lot, the Houston Astros. I think a lot of people do. Um, so um, we we had an email exchange the other day about some other business, and uh, you responded to one of my emails by saying, "You're going to love Yasiel Puig." Uh, <laughs> you mentioned that uh, you know he's going to drive uh, you know John Miller insane 
uh, like the fourth or fifth time he runs into an out. Um, and uh, so tell us the same a, game, the same <laughs> that well, you, you, you know, Ruben Rivera, you know, that whole story, right? Sure. Okay. Uh -huh. That's the worst, broad, worst base running in the history of baseball. That's one of John Miller's greatest lines ever. So if I mean, there's still some suspicion, the Giants are going to sign Yesiel Puig. Uh, what should Giants fans expect if that happens? Well, first of all, they're going to ex they're going to find a very colorful player. You know, Vince Scully called him the wild horse, and he is that. And he's going to give you some thrills. He's going to hit some big home runs. He's going to throw people out at third base from the right field foul pole. Uh, he's going to do some amazing things. And then he's going to do some unbelievable bonehead things. Uh, you know, when you look at, at all of the talent, uh, you figure this guy should be better. And three teams now have given up on him, which really says something. You know, it's like, you know, Manny Ramirez without the, without the talent. <laughs> you know, Manny can be Manny, but uh, Yasiel can't necessarily be Yasiel. You know, I, I think he's, He's certainly a good ball player. He's just not someone you can count on. Uh, maybe, but maybe for a team like the Giants that aren't going anywhere, that need to put people in seats, uh, take, take, taking away the taking away the fact that uh, they hate him because of Bumgarner, the the feud. I mean, that would be a good guy to have in that situation, wouldn't it? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, well, there's no way to uh, make a smooth transition into this. Uh, Henry Shulman talking with uh, Ken Levine, a co-writer of Mannequin 2 on the move, um, and, um, and also an Emmy Award-winning comedy writer, a producer. Um, I, I do want to get serious here for a second and, and talk about uh, comedy during tragedy. I mean, you, I mean, having written comedy since the 70s, you've been through so much uh, – uh, stuff that has happened, like the coronavirus, maybe even worse. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, we're talking about the space shuttle uh, blowing up. Uh, you're talking about 9-11. Uh, I mean, all, all sorts of things like that. And, uh, I mean, you you know, comedy continued. I mean, comedy shows were produced. They were put on the air. Uh, and, and, I, and I think so, there's a divide, I think, between, you know, some people who say, hey, we need comedy at a time like this to get us going, and the other side, which is saying, how can you laugh at a time like this? And I think you're the perfect guy to get a perspective on this. Well, I do think that laughter is very healing. Look, you don't want to do routines about the coronavirus. Uh, but, you know, laughter is a great escape. And you go as far back as the Depression in 1929 and the 1930s and all of the screwball comedies that were so in vogue right because people just wanted that escape they just wanted uh, a reason to laugh they wanted some normalcy in their life and you know i believe that comedy writers uh really provide a service at a time like this Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sitting here writing comedy now, and, uh, and I'm continuing my blog, and I'm continuing my podcast, and there's going to be levity involved, because I think we need it. I, I, I really do. If you spend all day watching cable news, 
uh, you're going to blow your brains out. You know, I, I think you need that escape. And you know what? Don't feel guilty about it. Well, <laughs> you know, it's like you're, you're, you're not doing anything wrong. Uh, the fact that, that you want to turn off CNN and watch friends. So what, <laughs> you know, treat yourself to watching friends, treat yourself to watching movies in my podcast this week i list 60 comedy movies that i recommend you watch on netflix or dvd or whatever service you can find them because i think we we need this i i think it's it's healing i think it's good for our well-being part of the problem of this is the fear and panic and anxiety that we're all feeling and so to be able to lower that a little bit and to be able to laugh um i think is is a godsend and and uh, i'm not going to do a spoiler alert you should go listen to ken's podcast which is called hollywood and levine you can listen to find the podcast and watch and and look at the blog at um kenlevine.blogspot.com and you do uh, do mention that there are six movies of the list you, you actually wrote uh, I'm not going to give all of them away, but they are as diverse as Blazing Saddles and Road to Morocco. And that's all you need to know about Ken's sense of humor. I mean, the last question. Yeah, I yeah. Have, those are the movies I recommend. I didn't right. write those. Oh, yeah. oh right. No, I no. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't no. write any of the road movies. No. OK, no, no. Uh, road to Morocco is 1942. Hank. OK, OK. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you're actually about 10 years older than I am. So I think that's not 1940. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I mean, just last, I wrote Birth of a Nation back in, <laughs> yeah, that in 1911. Was a, that was a huge laugh blast. Um, <laughs> you're, you're writing mostly play. You're writing a lot of plays now. I mean, is it difficult? Yes. Is mm-hmm. it difficult to write comedy when you are, you know, when everything around this is going on a, a, around you? To be honest with you, no. Uh, it's very therapeutic because it allows me for a couple of hours to kind of go into my own world and to concentrate on my characters and my situation and basically put it aside, you know, what's really happening in the world. So for me, um, it's, like I said, it's very therapeutic. Okay. Well, you're talking to a guy who's watched uh, two, two and a half men marathons in the last four days. Um, so I, I know you didn't write that either. Very funny show. No, God, you, you sat through two and a half men. You, you binge watch two and a half men. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, believe it or not. Um, cheers. <laughs> exactly. Seinfeld. Well, yeah. And I, yeah, I think I've told you my, uh, my significant other is such a huge Frasier fan that when I introduced her to you, I thought she was going to go all, um, you know, kind of crazy fan and you'd have to get a restraining order. Um, Fortunately, uh, she, she restrained herself. Um, the uh, the uh, blog is called by Ken Levine. The podcast is called Hollywood and Levine. You can find it at kenlevine.blogspot.com. It, there's all sorts of good stuff on there. There's links to the books he's written. Uh, there's a, You can get a free download of his banjo music. Uh, and anything you'd want to do. I mean, he's, he's a great, he's a great uh, follower. Your Twitter uh, is just at Ken Levine, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ken, yep. thank you so much for taking the time. You know, my pleasure. And let me just say, even though I'm down in Los Angeles, uh, 
good luck to the Giants. I hope you guys have a great season. You have a great ballpark. You have great announcers. Um, I wish you guys nothing but the best. All right, and I wish you the best in uh, staying safe. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Giant Splash. I hope you and your families stay well. The Giant Splash is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support the Splash and all of the Chronicle's great journalism by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.